0: Welcome to Together All The Time, a podcast about being stuck at home indefinitely with whoever else lives there. My guests are now fully acclimated to a lifestyle of restrictions. Having cultivated habits for managing personal safety, the focus turns to negotiating boundaries with others outside the household. My guests find themselves often feeling frustrated at friends and strangers for breaking social distancing rules. Overall, life has gotten quieter and the households are embracing it. Besides these common trends, there are new developments in each home. Deidre and her family follow the guidelines with very little trouble. Oddly, I feel like we've all adapted at this point. I know that there was a point where
1: Mirabel wouldn't go outside because of the mask. And then now we just go outside in our masks and we avoid people while walking and we don't touch things in stores. And it's become normalized, which I think is a good thing. Although if I think about it too hard, it kind of freaks me out that this is the new normal.
0: Now that life is more predictable, Deidre and her husband Ben have decided to put their energies toward a new project. Ben and
1: I are taking this 12-week decluttering course. It's really interesting because it has you go very slow and ask yourself why you want to own less things and delve into the philosophy. There's all these different questions.
0: The experience forces them to deal with some uncomfortable feelings. There's a Facebook group, so they tell you to take pictures of everything before, which is so shameful
1: to do because... You never want to take pictures if you're a clutterer of your house. This is why you need to do it because you are ashamed. You never want to invite anyone over to your house because inviting people over requires a huge amount of work and it's overwhelming. So one of the reasons I put why I want to own less stuff is because I don't want to be ashamed of my living space. And so we have this chance to redo the whole way we look at things where everything has a place. And we're getting rid of so much stuff.
0: Inspired in part by hearing the most recent episode of this podcast and learning that Julie adopted a cat, Deidre and Ben's kids convinced them to do the same.
1: They put together this whole sort of PowerPoint presentation and it said why we should. And it had pictures and of them with the pets and how they're going to be so responsible. And this would be their responsibility and their cat and they are lonely. And so let's just say that they wore ties and it was an effective presentation.
0: (laughs) The family adopted a one-year-old cat named Kelby, who is much adored and is currently getting used to his new surroundings and older feline sibling Bemsha, who has already been with the family for a few years. Henry and Liz spend most of their time on schoolwork, but are also enjoying looking through old things they find around the house.
2: I've been going through like old collections I've had and like even some that my dad have had and my mom's had. So like um I keep a lot of like my dad's old baseball cards in my room and my old baseball cards. So I had like a really fun time at one point just going through all of that. I kind of like snuck through all the family, like the photo albums from when like our parents were young and that was really cute.
3: Oh my God, I found one of my diaries from when I was 11. It's so funny. Can I read it? Um, I can show you some funny parts. Right. <laughs> like, I would just write stuff.
0: Oh my God. Perhaps motivated by discovering the old diary, Liz is keeping a new one.
3: I've been journaling a lot more than I ever have been. I've always been really bad about like keeping a journal, but now I write in it like really, really religiously and I write like much more. And it's kind of interesting because since nothing happens, it's just more about like my thoughts and stuff. So it's like, I don't know. It's a lot of like prose, I guess, but I I wouldn't (laughs) say it's like good, but it's like, it's really nice to just like write. Like I've never really done that before.
0: Liz and Henry's grandparents bought them a print subscription to the New York Times, and Henry has been reading it often. He is fascinated with pieces that explore the psychological implications of social isolation.
2: I read an article, and it was talking about how people who are socially starved are seeing faces in things they wouldn't normally see faces in. But also, there's there's another crazy story in the New York Times. It was about this guy, I think his name was Bird, in like the 1930s. And he was isolated alone in Antarctica for five months, like, with a scientific expedition. The author of it was basically like, yeah, like, do you think you guys have it tough? Like, this dude literally, like, was trapped in Antarctica where, like, one time the hatch to his cabin froze and he had to frantically pry it open with a shovel or else he would have frozen to death.
0: When we last checked in with Julie, she and Holly were eagerly awaiting the arrival of their newly adopted pet. the cat now named Lassie, has been living
4: with them for about two weeks. My life has changed for the better. Uh, I, it has opened my heart, and we are in love with her. She's just a, a beautiful little friend. I'm looking at her right now. She's so beautiful. I named her Lassie because she looks like Lassie. Uh, she's just so perfect, just a perfect little girl, perfect.
0: Lassie is providing plenty of humor and entertainment to the home at a time when so much of what Julie enjoys is on hold.
4: At about 3 or 4 a.m., the witching hour, and she starts, you know, running around, running across us, running up on top of things, skidding onto things, you know, playing the piano. We woke up the uh, the other day and the (laughs) the TV was on the floor. (laughs)
0: Though Julie, Holly, and Lassie are managing well in their time together indoors, Julie has become increasingly concerned about larger issues facing the city during the virus and the dangers of politicizing the pandemic. A recent interaction with someone she's known for decades
4: left her puzzled. I'm friendly with a lot of the people who work in and around my building, and I've known many of them for 20 and 30 years. So I chit-chatted with somebody yesterday who's been working solidly, you know, he, he just working solidly. And I, I love him, even though I know our politics are different. I love him. I saw him yesterday. And I said, uh, you know, you're you're working and you're doing great. Well, you know, why shouldn't I be working? I said, well, you know, you're risking your life for us. He says, you know, I don't see it. I don't see it. I'm just doing my job. And I think that, look, when somebody has cancer, they don't stay inside. I said, well cancer isn't contagious. Well, I don't see it. And I think June 1st, everybody should go back to work and whoever's going to die is going to die. And it's survival of the fittest. And I realized in that moment that he was not speaking for himself alone.
0: Julie was shaken by the interaction and saw up close a major divide in how the country is responding to this crisis.
4: I wanted to say, well, I'll be one of the people who dies. And it was nice knowing you. But I, 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 I could have also said, well, you could die. You know, people die uh, of all ages and in all professions. And I think that we're doing the right thing by being as careful as possible. And I'm afraid of, of starting up too soon. But I realized in that moment that a lot of the country feels that way. They feel that they're being deprived of their right to work. While not everyone's conflicts are so personal,
0: all of my guests experience bewilderment toward people they encounter who are ignoring the regulations. I am getting a little judgy of people without
1: masks on. It's not a pretty habit that I have. <laughs> on that one of those nice days last week, I saw that photo of everybody hanging out at Tulsi Piers, and I got so mad because... I'm really trying and our kids are trying and we're all trying to socially distance and wear the masks and sanitize stuff and for the greater good. And people being so cavalier just makes me crazy.
0: Deidre faces a new challenge of clarifying her physical boundaries over and over in interpersonal exchanges. Already,
1: I feel like I negotiate with with people with different levels of comfort because I've been getting rid of so much stuff, like I said last time. People sometimes want to come into the house or they're not wearing a mask or so then I'll just leave it and have them approach. But it's sort of like when you have a play date with a kid for the first time, there are a couple of things you have to talk to the other parents about, just what things are okay.
0: When she gets angry at strangers, she wonders if some of it is misdirected. There's something to having righteous anger that
1: can feel very satisfying in a time when feelings are really big and it doesn't always seem okay to just be having them all at once. I have a feeling I'm probably angry a lot of the time under the surface about things I'm not even aware of or about I'm angry at everyone in my house right now because I've been with them for way too long. And how dare you chew your cereal that way because that's going to send me over the edge. It's easier to go outside and go, hey, where's your mask?
0: It's an easier thing to get mad about, I think. Liz feels resentful that some people don't seem to care about protecting others.
3: Yeah, I mean, I feel like I do get kind of annoyed when I see people, like, not, like, social distancing or quarantining because, well, I feel like it's just one of those things where I'm just like, I've been doing it, and it sucks, and I'm mad that, like, Other people aren't doing it, Mm -hmm. even though it's, like, a really important thing for, like, all of health. And it kind of just makes you feel like, what's the point of me quarantining if, like, no one else is? I mean, obviously a lot of people are also quarantining, so it's hard to say, like, exactly how many people are breaking the rules, but it is really, like,
0: disheartening to see it. Negotiations about social distance aren't only with strangers.
3: One of my friends, it's her birthday today, and she's like, I'm okay with hanging out normally if you guys are. But then she's the one that went on a plane yesterday, and I'm like, well, no one really cares what you're okay with right now.
0: Liz admits that being away from tempting social situations influences her standards for judging right and wrong behavior. On the other hand,
3: if I was in Portland or whatever, and I did have a lot of friends there, I would probably break the rules a lot more than I am now, because it's like a little bit easier to just be isolated here in my hometown. So I feel like I can't
0: be like that high and mighty, you know. Julie wonders what it would take for naysayers to do their part.
4: If the mask had some promise of youth or hair removal or (laughs) anti-acne or, you know, teeth whitener or anything, then yeah, anyone would be wearing it. But the fact that all it does is save your life isn't sexy enough. But I will say that I believe what the doctors and scientists and my boyfriend, Andrew Cuomo, are saying. And it's an insult to me if you don't wear your mask, whether you have a grandmother or not. You know, we're, we're all part of the human family.
0: To accommodate the need for regular sterilization, the households have modified their behaviors and added new steps to prevent bringing the virus home with them. Some of my guests are taking this aspect more seriously than others. Henry and Liz understand the need for procedures but rarely have to actually use them.
2: I'm not like worrying about like did I come into contact with like something contaminated every day because we spend a lot more time just kind of like cooped up here like right. most of the time I'm just not. We don't have into to contact. do a lot
3: of real world things.
2: Yeah.
0: Jessica, Henry and Liz's mom is very careful and invests in sterilization solutions for the household.
2: Because like there's been such a run on Lysol and disinfectant and hand sanitizer and stuff like that, um, she bought one of those like UV lights that's supposed to kill everything that Trump was like, you can use that on your body. And it's like, no, it might give you a good tan though.
0: For Deidre, the best course of action is to follow the rules but invest less in trying to control things any further.
1: When things come in from outside, like Amazon packages or something like that, we wipe them down. Or if we go to the grocery store and bring things home, we, I wipe everything down, we all wash our hands, etc. But that just seems like standard procedure. We're not really going overboard. We don't wait to open packages. I know some people let them sit there for a day and... Whatever, Uh, yeah. Try that when your kids have a Barbie plane coming and they see the box. Like, let's leave that there for a day. (laughs) No, I would be attacked. (laughs) There would be riots in the streets.
0: (laughs) Deidre tries to let go in the interest of her mental health.
1: I guess there are certain things that I have maybe
0: haven't thought about, and if I start thinking about
1: them, I'll go down that road of I should be doing way more that would send me into crazy town.
4: Julie and Holly follow stricter protocols. Holly is like the, you know, the pandemic police. I'm telling you, she decontaminates everything before it comes into the house. She has all sorts of sprays and all sorts of wipes. She, she washes money off. I swear to God. We, like, we, we, we have walked to Union Square Market and that's where I get my plants and then she buys a little fish or something and we have it for dinner. And then she doesn't let me touch the money to put it back in my pocket. It gets thrown into the bag and then she washes the money. We're not allowed to bring our shoes in if my toe touches the hallway outside. Not there's no one else in the hallway. While Holly is
0: particularly rigorous in her approach, Julie feels grateful for the extra security.
4: I feel that she has kept me safe. You know, how can you get mad at somebody for doing what's hopefully saving you, you saving your life? So that, we have a very, very strict routine, but Holly is the enforcer, not me. Uh, it's not to say that I would let someone in or that I would do something stupid, but she really is the enforcer. I just, I'm just following orders, <laughs> really.
0: In addition to sharing routines, the members of each household are picking up on each other's mannerisms and even learning to predict one another's actions after so much time together.
4: Well, she has this sort of affectation when she's making a point. You know, she'll tilt her head and say it emphatically like that. Not, not a reprimand or anything, but just when she's making a point. She'll tilt her head. I know I've felt myself doing that. In the beginning, we were always tripping over each other.
1: Even the cat was just always underfoot. Now we have two cats. Um, But I feel like we've somehow, without even noticing it, learned how to navigate these hallways where we can just get by each other much more easily. I'm not saying any of this is conscious or anything. I think it's just sort of happened that we live in this space (laughs) And our bodies and minds have somehow attuned itself to it and to each other's rhythms, and we can move accordingly now without thinking too hard.
3: Um, Our parents pick up on our energy. Yeah, yeah. Like I heard Dad say something the other day that was like such a specific slang slang term that like no parent would ever say. I'm trying to remember (laughs) what it was because I thought it was so funny.
2: What was "simp"? He did. Yeah, Yeah. they both
3: said the word "simp." because we kept saying it which i think is hilarious because they don't know what it means (laughs) yeah
2: so that was really funny
3: it's an acronym and it's it's it stands for suckers idolizing mediocre pussy which (laughs) neither of us came up with it neither of us necessarily agree with the concept no but you kind of use it when you're talking about someone who will like do anything for like a woman to like look his way. Yeah,
2: yeah. It's in essence, of, it's kind of like a pathetic.
3: Yeah, adjective. it's it's like pathetic you use it for
2: someone who's like. Yeah, there's out of their league, they right. don't really know what they're doing. Right. I yeah.
3: think our mom said it because we were talking about the new Bachelor show, which oh, is... Oh, yes. It's a singing competition mixed with The Bachelor.
2: It's American Idol and The Bachelor. It's
3: incredible. Insane. It's such a shit show. But there's one guy there and we called this guy a simp. And then I think mom picked up on that and also called him a simp.
0: Yeah. Except for essential services, most of the Northeast has been shut down for the last nine weeks. As a result, there is significantly less noise. The households notice new sounds appearing around them as nature takes up the empty space.
4: We are very aware of beautiful, beautiful birdies chirping. They're too It's too middle of the night to even be greeting the sun. I think of them as birds that believe that the sun is going to rise without even seeing it. They're like the hope birds. And I'm aware of them every morning. And it's the most magnificent sound I've ever heard. It's angels telling us to believe that the sun is going to rise and metaphorically and really. I think right away
1: after the pandemic started and people started staying at home, I noticed so many more bird sounds. They're really beautiful sounds. And There are a lot of trees where I live, so I feel like there are birds, either birds I've never heard before or just birds I've never paid attention to before.
2: Uh, Oh, we have a sound
3: at night, which I've never noticed before, but all of a sudden we hear it every single night. And it kind of sounds like a woman, a woman like fake screaming, but like she's like going like 70% effort, I would say. And it it turns out it's this thing called a fisher cat or maybe a fox. We're not sure.
2: It it sounds
3: like someone's being murdered like kind of shittily. Yeah. I've never heard it before.
2: I mean, we've definitely had a lot of increased animal activity here. Like super fun to just look out the window. The cats love it. We have a, a couple of young bald eagles that moved into the neighborhood. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's been awesome.
0: That's fun. You like
2: see them around. That's that one's sweet. And so I guess this, like, Fisher cat did the same thing.
0: Subtler sounds previously drowned out by busy streets and traffic are now audible. When somebody down the street calls
1: out to a neighbor, I can hear that, which makes me feel like I'm living in a little village in France or something. (laughs) Somebody calling across to the other neighbor, like, how's your cat today? (laughs) It's nice. It feels like a village We've been sitting out on the stoop and just listening to all the neighborhood sounds, watching kids in other yards. It's kind of a slow
4: TV. We have several church bells that we hear ringing all day and all, not all night, but but starting in the early morning that are just gorgeous. You could be in in the country. And I've also heard the clippity-clop of horses going by. And, and that's the mounted police. So, you know, it, it's that dead silence sometimes.
0: Among all this quiet, my guests also remember the sounds they used to hear before the pandemic.
3: Oh, one sound that's missing is our garage door. And it's a really loud sound. Um, and I've always kind of appreciated it because, you know, like whenever anyone's coming or leaving, but, and you can hear it from anywhere in the house, but the garage hasn't opened like at all recently because there's no really where to drive. And we just use the car that's parked out front. So that's a sound I miss.
2: True. Also just the side door too. You don't hear that as yeah. much. Yeah. Because it's really squeaky too. Yeah. And that's always like, that's like the, oh, someone is entering the house or leaving the house like a hundred percent. Yeah.
4: The sounds that are missing are revelers that are sometimes not sounds you really want to hear in the middle of the night, people coming out of uh, restaurants and bars and screaming and uh, laughing and breaking bottles, but you don't hear anything. You don't hear humanity at night. You do not hear humanity at night, no revelers. And during the day, I used to hear kids in the schoolyard and it was just music. It wafted up to the 17th floor, the sound of happy children playing in a schoolyard and, and you don't hear that at all. You could stop dead in the middle of 6th Avenue and look both directions and there's not a car. Same with Park Avenue. Same with 5th Avenue. Just no cars. It's just empty. And and it's so eerie and, and sad. And yet then I think, okay, good for the birds. Good for the fish. Good for the air. I am
1: loving the silence. And I'm really going to be bummed when all the traffic starts coming back.
0: I am a city person, born and raised here in Brooklyn, and there's nothing I love more than soaking up the city's energy in good weather after a long winter. I take long walks through interesting neighborhoods, try new foods, go see my friends' bands play, fall into spontaneous conversations, and run into people I know. I also love to be in nature and forage wild plants. It's something that I do in city parks and more often on hikes upstate or in New Jersey. Since the excitement of city life involves the interplay between people, beloved city activities have become either impossible or dangerous. I look to nature to fill my need for surprise and adventure. Late spring is in full swing here. Flowers are blooming everywhere, plants have grown tall, and the first berries of summer will arrive in just a few weeks. For me, Spotting a strawberry plant in the park has taken the place of trying a new restaurant. Finding a wild morel mushroom on a mossy trail substitutes for stumbling upon a block party. And being startled by a sudden downpour stands in for accidentally meeting friends on the street. Nature carries on. Trees can't get COVID. And for that, I am grateful. Together All the Time is written and produced by me, Rebecca Pronsky. Our engineer is Rich Bennett. Our theme song is Nothing Yet from my 2016 album, Known Objects. And in this episode, we also featured the track New England by Rich Bennett from the album Music for Underwater Supermarkets. Subscribe to Together All the Time on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen. If you like the show, please rate and review or share with friends. Our website is togetherallthetime.com.